This show contains movie spoilers and swearing. This is Max Hedrum, and what you're about to witness is one of the most sinister-sounding intros to one of the greatest epics ever produced. So, sit back, relax, and enjoy. and look around once in a while, you could miss it. Oh. You see, I take these glasses off. She looks like a regular person, doesn't she, huh? Put them back on, formaldehyde face. That's what That's we got. That's enough out of you. You get out or I call the cops. Call the cops? You know what you need? You need a Brazilian plastic surgeon. I've got one that can see. He's a tall Caucasian male, doesn't appear armed, wearing sunglasses. I don't like this one bit. Not one bit. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Dude Looks Like the 80s. I'm your host RJ McCready and that's what I guys heard in the clip. We're going to be covering John Carpenter's They Live. But before we do that, before I go and grab my sunglasses, we're going to check out the TV guide and see what else is out this year. So, Ed McMahon, take us away. Hey-oh! Listen, here's Ed McMahon, and you're listening to Dude Looks Like the 80s. And now... Here's the 80s Hall of Fame! I just like to read the TV guide. Read the TV guide. You don't need a TV. Uh, welcome back, guys. So let's have a look at the TV show. So you had the Wonder Years out this year with Fred Savage. We'll try not to sing out of key. Yeah. Oh, baby, how you had the... Very low budget but very successful sci-fi TV show which is called Red Dwarf. Now one of the most quotable TV shows from the 80s or quiz shows from the 80s um, with Jim Bowen, you know what it is, it's going to be Bullseye guys. It's a bullseye! And here's your host, Jim Bowen! It's just got its own charm. I uh, see the reruns. It just every time I speak to someone about this show, it just makes you laugh. 
let's see what you could have won. And the films out this year um, is Willow um, with Warwick Davis and it's a George Lucas movie. Uh, Tom Hanks Big came out this year. Uh, Leslie Nielsen's The Naked Gun, uh, which was highly successful when it came out. Um, Child's Play, oh man, just an iconic, the iconic horror movie character signed up this year for that. And it's a bit of an underrated one. I think I might have to shout this out um, in the show later on as an episode. Is The Blob. Fantastic movie. I think it's special effects from Rob Bottin, I believe. So if you haven't seen it, check that one out. And the songs out this year, I'm going to have to do a shout out for one of the guys on Facebook, which is Tracy Coulson. He posted this on Facebook. So I thought I'd give you a tra- shout out there, Tracy. It's always very productive on Facebook. And that is Bobby Brown. My prerogative. Pretty cool song. You can see we're sort of moving closer to the 90s here. Sounds just changing a little bit, which I think is what Tracy Colson posted on um, on the Facebook page. I think that's what he's talking about. Uh, you then got. David Lee Roth, and he has turned up on the show when uh, <laughs> I've done the show with Rick in the past as our mascot. And it is just like living in paradise. Brilliant song. It's still there. The rock is still there in the, in the later 80s. Then got Johnny Hates Jazz, Shattered Dreams. Yazoo, the only way is up. Real upbeat song, sort of song I want to listen to in the morning on um, that early drive to work. And Womack and Womack, teardrops. So there you go guys, there's a TV guide, some uh, pretty cool stuff going on in 1988. But let's have a look at They Live, we're going to play some commercials, and I'll be right back. Oh, you're so cool, Brewster. <laughs> Deuce Deuce Studio, studio line from L'Oreal, Mega Gel. Mega dare your hair, had a girl, hold it, get a look that's slick. Stop your hair, any way you like it. Studio line from L'Oreal. Our impulses are being redirected. We are living in an artificially induced state of consciousness that resembles sleep. You gotta stop and chase the high line. It takes time to make, time to enjoy. Stop and chase the high life. Miller High Life. Now, Channel 11 News, Nightbeat. 
Rangers! What do these things want, and why are they here? You still don't get it, do you, boy? They have recruited the rich and the powerful! They're running the whole show. Wake up! They're all about you! All around you! Blind us to the truth! Take a look. They are safe. As long as they are not discovered. I don't know what they are or where they came from, but we gotta stop them. Stay away from me. Put these on. They have us. Look at them. They're everywhere. We have no other choice. I don't like this one bit. Leave it alone, man. It ain't none of my business, ain't none of yours. We have been lulled into a trance. Listen to what I'm saying to you. We're in trouble. The whole world's in trouble. Control us! You're sending some kind of signals on TV sets. I've got one that can see. Mama don't like tattletale. Now we start spilling some blood. Let's go! Push I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick And I'm all out of bubblegum. Welcome back guys, so let's get straight into this. So the synopsis for this film is a drifter discovers a pair of sunglasses that allow him to wake up to the fact that aliens have taken over the earth. It was directed by John Carpenter, it's got a 94 minute runtime, and it's a action horror sci-fi. It was backed by Universal Pictures but funded by Alive Films which um, it's quite a small budget actually, it's three million dollars um, and I think you get quite a lot of film for your money but as I've said before about John Carpenter, I think he worked better with a smaller budget and because the studio invested less money they let him have more control which I think John Carpenter's, that is when you get him at his best, he's got control of his own movie and he got the final cut. It stars Rowdy Roddy Piper uh, Keith David, who we know from The Thing, and just a little bit of trivia there, John Carpenter actually created the character Frank from the child character of The Thing. Um, he tried to bring the same sort of character into this movie. Uh, also Meg Foster, you may have seen her, well she went on to go and do, actually I can't remember if she did it before or after this film, it's He-Man, she plays Evil Lynn, um, so you may have seen her in that. It's based on a short story by Ray Nelson called 8 o'clock in the morning. And it's also the second film that John Carpenter made with Alive Films. Before this he made um, Prince of Darkness, which is another good movie. Check that out if you haven't seen it. So, let's get into this movie. Um, so it starts with the brilliant soundtrack um, composed by John Carpenter and Alan Haworth. Who Alan Haworth has worked before with JC on his movies and it's got a real sort of downbeat tone to it and that's what I like about um, John Carpenter's music it is, well, I consider it's another character to the movie it's sort of aiding you all the way and sort of brings you into the the mood of the film so you've got Rowdy Roddy Piper just playing John Nada um, but throughout the whole film he never actually gets called John it's just Nada, which is another bit of trivia uh, apparently means nothing 
is an out of work construction worker so he's trying to find, find a job he goes to the job centre but all the work has dried up he comes across a guy called Frank Armitage who offers him some work it's little pay but it's something and he also gets taken to a um, it's like a homeless shelter like a soup kitchen and this is where he meets Frank which is Keith David um, the two of them form a uneasy friendship to um, start with at the beginning of this movie and I'm going to play you this scene here which I think is a building block of John Narda character and what he's about to deal with later on in the film and I think this is important and it could possibly get overlooked but it really forms his character in terms of him being a working class guy he believes in America and he just he wants to get out there and get on with it and he believes that each chance will come along if he goes out and does a nice day's work so I'll just play the scene here so how are you gonna make it I deliver a hard day's work for the money I just want the chance it'll come I believe in America I follow the rules everybody's got their own hard times these days and there you go so like I say it just rebuilds the character up only in a few seconds that can tell you everything about John Narda and um, and he's a tough guy as well. So moving on from that. So the other thing I've got to mention was that the first part of this film is a very slow burn. Um, everybody seems a little bit deprived. But then there's a bit where you've got like people looking through the shop window on the TV screens. And there's all the sort of very rich and famous. And everybody seems to be doing quite well on that side of the fence. Um but at this point, things are just ticking over and you don't realise what's going on. You then meet another character who turns up, is George Buckflower. He turns up in the John Carpenter movies and he is a homeless guy watching the TV and you get this interruption on the TV screen. Their intention to rule rests with the annihilation of consciousness. We have been lulled into a trance. They have made us indifferent to ourselves, to others. We are focused only on our own game. So this is the first time we're watching this. If you haven't watched this film before, you kind of get in a little bit of an introduction to some sort of conspiracy. And at this point, this film could actually just be a conspiracy um, movie. And it could have worked well like that. But obviously later on I'll get into it. It does turn into an action movie. So as I said before, it's almost in two parts. John Nardo is spending some time at the camp, he's kind of minding his own business, but then he sees some suspicious activity at the church. He sees like a group of guys congregating and he goes to investigate, he goes into the church and he finds a tape player and it's the guy you saw on the TV interrupting the channels, he's talking. And then behind a wall there's a box and it's just containing sunglasses. So John puts the wall back with his sunglasses and thinks nothing of it. But then during the night, the homeless camp gets raided by the police and um, John manages to escape. And then the next day, he goes back to the church. He retrieves the box and he decides to wear a pair of these sunglasses. And he walks along the high street and he puts them on. And this way you get like a clever, uh, goes from colour to black and white which gives the sunglasses effect and what he's looking around who we can see is like obey and consume 
on all the media signs and he's like bedazzled by it and he's also got like a he starts getting a headache uh, obviously something to do with the, the wave patterns in his head then he goes to a newsstand and he puts the sunglasses on and he looks at all the magazines and it's saying you know like money is your god and obey and consume and then he looks at um, this guy in a seat and you get this scene here what's your problem I said, what's your problem? How are you today, sir? Okay, okay. how's it going? Fine, thank you. Thank you, sir. Here you are, sir. Thank you. And as I said earlier, it's where the film goes from a very slow burn conspiracy movie to now a action movie also a bit of trivia there is the aliens is played by one person it's jeff amada and he is a stunt coordinator for the movie he did the 10 minute fight scene that's coming up in a minute so there john he's walking around he's still confused he's thinking is, is this for real um he goes into the shop and then he um like a grocery store looks up at the tv and you see a uh, like a member from the government doing a speech and he's an alien and it's that clip that I played at the very beginning of the movie. Um, the aliens realise that he can now see. So John has to escape. He gets stopped by the police. The police are aliens and they offer him uh, kind of like a deal saying we can make things easier for you. We're going to make things awkward. And they start putting their guns out. And this is where uh, John turns into, starts turning into like the action hero. He takes out the police, he shoots them, and he arms himself up. And he runs down the high street, and he goes into a bank, and the bank is just full of aliens. And you get this classic line right here now. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Oh, shit. Oh. Probably one of the most quotable lines from this movie when I talk to horror fans, um, particularly on our <laughs> Facebook group. So then the game is on. This is it. This is where, like I said, this film is now turned into an action movie. Um, so John has now stumbled across this conspiracy, but not everybody is alien. So without people wearing the glasses, um, no one realises that there is actually an alien invasion. But then with him running into that bank with a gun he is now looked upon as a fugitive on the run so he goes to a car park and this is where he comes across the Meg Foster character Holly Thompson who works for KB Cable 51 he takes her hostage and she drives back to her place uh, whilst at her apartment he tries to explain to her that there's an alien invasion but she then takes the opportunity to hit John round the head with a glass bottle and he goes out the, out the window and crashes down onto the uh, ground. John then goes back to the alleyway where he dumped the sunglasses into the trash. He retrieves them 
And at the same time, um, he gets approached by Frank, who gives him a load of money and he realises that he's become a fugitive and he tries to sort of help him out and say, right, you better get out of here before they find you. But then John takes this opportunity to try and convince Frank that there is an alien invasion asked him to put on the sunglasses. Frank refuses and then you go into a full-blown 10-minute fight. And I think in movie history, I think this is one of the longest fights. And you've got this scene here. So John manages to convince Frank that there's the alien invasion. They then form a better alliance to what they had at the beginning of the movie. And they find out that there is actually a resistance. So they go to this uh, secret meeting of alien activists and then Holly arrives. But soon after, the aliens turn up, obviously disguised as police, and they take out several of the activists. Um, John and Frank retaliate. Uh, they manage to escape and they use one of the aliens uh, wristwatch it's like a gold wristwatch which is like a teleporter and they, they're having a fight down an alleyway and they manage to escape there's a it's quite a good scene actually there's like a hole that turns up in the ground and they go down it and they end up at the alien hq which is disguised as cable 54 whilst exploring this hq they then come across the george buck flower character from earlier and he is now dressed up in a tuxedo and he has sold up sold himself to the aliens and is joined the life that they offer him and you get this scene here what's wrong with having it good for a change and they're going to let us have a good if we just help them they're going to leave us alone let us make some money you can have a little taste of that good life too now i know you want it hell everybody does you do it to your own kind What's the threat? We all sell out every day. Might as well be on the winning team. See you, boys. So, John and Frank, they're not having any of it. They they don't want to sell themselves out. They want to tell the world that there's an alien invasion. So then you've got a pretty cool action scene between them and the alien security. Well, well there's got to be more than one way to get up there, Security 950, lock the elevators down. Trying to move. I hear them on the 19th floor above me. I got you. We're on the 21st. We'll be waiting for them. At the same time, uh, Frank and John are trying to infiltrate the HQ and find the roof. Uh, John manages to rescue Holly, so he takes her along to the roof and they get to the top of the roof. And this is probably one of the biggest double crosses in movie history for me, where uh, John goes up the stairs and then Frank looks around and Holly pulls out a gun and then shoots Frank. And I'm gutted at this point because it's the one thing I don't like about the film. I don't like the way that Keith... Keith Davis' character got killed. I would have preferred it if he got shot on the roof by the security or something like that, but yeah, it's a bit of a sting in the tail, that bit. Anyway, uh, John Nader gets to the reef and he finds a massive satellite dish with a green beam coming out of it. Um, 
and he gets shot by a helicopter. But as he's fall, fallen down onto the ground, he pulls out a small sidearm and he shoots the dish and the chute explodes and the world is then exposed to the alien invasion. John is left dying on the ground, but before he dies, he chucks one finger up towards the aliens, almost to say, well, up yours. But apparently the trivia is that um, Rowdy Roddy Piper didn't like that bit. He, he did ad-lib ad that, but he kind of wishes he didn't now because he felt like it was a little bit cheap. But I don't, I don't hear anybody complaining. Oh, and I missed a bit. I forgot to mention that uh, John kills Holly on top of the roof. She points a gun at him, but he shoots her first. So he takes her out. She gets her just desserts. And then as every John Carpenter film, as I notice, he leaves it as an open ending. And it's quite a funny scene, actually. So um, everybody starts to notice the aliens. And there's a bit where there's a woman having an intimate <laughs> time wherever, guys, you find out that it is an alien. And that's where it ends. So there you go. If you haven't seen They Live, it's just go and have a look at it. It's a good movie. It's a very different film. Um, even though it is a horror sci-fi fantasy movie, it is a bit of a template. I I do run a non-political show and I don't sort of share those sort of opinions. But um, or I say, as you watch this film, you look at you look around you. Sometimes you can sort of identify it um, with it. Um, I'm not a big fan of some of these fake celebrities that we've got in the world right now, and I've seen that for quite a long time. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I won't go into it too much, but. You look at this film and you look at that and you make your own mind up about that. But I'll leave it at that. So um, the film didn't do too bad. Um, I think it had a number one spot. Um, it made $14 million. So it's made for $3 million, so it didn't do too bad. Um, the critics didn't like it. <laughs> I wonder why. Like I say, I won't go into that. Um, and it was a sequel. Um, in the lines which never got made I think it was called Hypno Wars don't know anything more than just, just the title but in some ways I'm glad it didn't get a sequel I'm not I don't really think this film needs it really it's just a good independent movie and um, should just stay as it is really also we lost uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper a few years ago and that's a big loss to um, all us fans so I know he's a larger than life character and do check out his interview on the extras with John Carpenter. It is amazing. Um, all they do is laugh, but it's <laughs> it really is some good commentary um, over the movie. And, yeah, go check that out. And that's about it, guys. I am behaving myself a little bit because a little bit more I probably could talk to you guys about this film. But I want to try and keep the shows short and brief for you. Um, but I will be coming back to doing John Carpenter again, no doubt. I might have to do the thing at some I've got to do the thing at some point. Um, but yes, I will be coming back to do some JC for sure. Um, so that's it, guys. I hope you enjoyed the show. Um, the next film I'm going to be reviewing for a bonus episode, it's like I said before, it's uh, Young Sherlock Holmes. I saw that the other day and I thought, that's actually quite a good film. It's quite an underrated movie. So I'm going to give that a shout out. Um, and as I say, thank you to everybody on the Facebook page. Uh, let's keep that rolling. And I'm going to end the show with the end credit song to this movie. Fantastic movie. Uh, movie. <laughs> uh, fantastic song. 
and it is called Awake, so enjoy, and I will see you guys soon.